Hey, boys and girls. It's your favorite fat man at the front desk, Jason Modcast founder David K. Montoya, and I interrupt this fantastic, stupendous podcast with these important messages. Starting February 2nd, the Jason Modcast network is going to be black. It's going to be black for the following 27 days. That's right. For the entire month of February, we're going black. Uh, and But we will be back March 1st. Uh, we've got some things that we need to get caught up on, you know, with the holidays behind us now. It's just time to get caught up. And, you know, plus I'm working on this little cartoon thing. It just kind of played a little bit of my attention. Not, not a little big deal. But for an added bonus, though, two shows will continue to go on, even though the rest of the, of the other podcast shows are going to be going black. On Tuesdays, the boys from the Great White North, the movie Madhouse, will be continuing to run their regular show and then as an added bonus Fridays you'll get to hear my fat ass talk for a little while as we go and we enjoy the flashback Fridays and then like I said February 2nd to February 28th no added shows that means no scene red no uh, tree frog expose cafe or who's the boss what we think uh, don't get us started. So those shows will be returning. Then on March 1st, which is a Saturday, we start things right back up with what we think. And then from then until next year, we'll be running straight and smooth. So I just wanted to give you folks a heads up. And just to let you know, because we got some time before February 2nd, but I don't want you going to your favorite iTunes or your Stitcher trying to find a new podcast and like what happened so there you go all right that's it from this end this is your favorite fat man at the front desk david k montoya and now enjoy this fantastic jason modcast show and now enjoy this free jason modcast show Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I'm your lonely host, David K. Montoya. And the reason I say I'm lonely is I'm sitting here in the Jason Modcast Studios and there is nothing and nobody around. Normally there's somebody making some type of noise. But because, you know, tomorrow is our last show for a month. Uh, you know, um, February 2nd is when we go black. For the most of the, the network. And if you've listened, I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you jump ahead, but in the beginning of each show for the last month, um, I made a little pre-recording scene that we're going to go black. Well, pretty much everybody has packed up their stuff and moved out and, and uh, you know, to kind of taking the, the month off while we get things situated. So it's just me sitting here. In fact, let me turn the mic. Let me show you how quiet it is. See what I mean? It is just dead quiet. Okay, well, let me give you the rundown of what's going on here. 
uh, Flashback Fridays. We get together every Friday. I pull three podcasts that have been archived in the Jayzo Modcast uh, site, um, going all the way back to November 26, 2012, which was the day that we launched. And like I said, I'll pull three, we'll listen to it, then we'll chat a little bit afterwards, and then I'll send you on your merry way. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and just jump right into the show. <clears throat> that way I can make some noise. This place is just way too damn quiet. It's it's weird because normally I have like my kid running around or, you know, we have the dog here sometimes and he's running around barking, chewing. You know, I've got other podcasters going in and out, doing their shows. It's just, usually it's really chaotic and to have it really quiet is really ominous. Okay, let's mix this up. <clears throat> okay. What do we got? Ooh, you're in for a treat, kids. This is scene red number 51. This is the infamous show that's called The Case of the Raping Ghost. Now, before I give you the synopsis, this is the episode that caused me to write the Incubus script, the movie script for Incubus. So this one is really, really cool. And if I remember correctly, last week we actually pulled 50. Uh, so this kind of falls hand in hand. Okay, so let me give you the synopsis here. Um, scene read, number 51, Case of the Raping Ghost, released on November 24th, 2013. Day 2 of the Weekend Special Edition of Episode 51 of Seeing Red. Rebecca, Aaron, and Dave question a pastor who claims the anatomy or the astronomy proves Christ's return in 2014. A man who anally probes multiple times by police. Then the trio investigate the case of the raping ghost. Then tomorrow on Monday, which is Jason Modcast and Seeing Red's anniversary special. Okay, well. Most likely, unless by weird chance I actually pull 52 next week, there won't be uh, 52 next. But uh, we've got definitely got this one right here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Scene Red, Episode 51, The Case of the Raping Ghost. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. I'm trying to say this with a straight face because Rebecca's over there behind the mic and she, I could watch her mouth. She's like nailing it right on, <laughs> lip syncing. So here's a question for you. Now, we've talked about our religious beliefs before. And I know this isn't Christ, uh, Christmas, so we're not going to get wholeheartedly into like the, the serious bit of things. But, you know, for... Christians in general, I think is the general thing is, is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Do you remember that one time it was in 2011, that one crazy ass preacher? He got all the people of his church to give him everything that they had and they were all homeless and shit because the end of the world was coming. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Well, you see, now we're shooting ever so closely to 2014 and, and I think religious beliefs and views are, um, they're not so easily fooled after that. They want some type of scientific evidence. So I present to you the first article of the night that I found, and I seen this and it cracked me up. And it is, 
Is second coming of Jesus etched in the night sky, says NASA. Really? Yes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Is it possible the return of Jesus Christ to earth can be found and foretold not only in the Bible, but also in the night sky since the creation of the universe? A Christian minister who uses NASA tracking of solar and lunar eclipses in his teaching of the great events is now explaining how... I've heard about this guy. Oh, really? He teaches people how to do this. How at least one constellation is an outright declaration of the second coming. Now, I, I find this humorous because that's astrology. And he's using astrology, which is a, a pagan belief. Which is like fortune telling, basically. Which, you know, most Christians are like, oh, no. Yeah. Get mom in here. She'd be like, oh, no. You know, is now pretty much... Well, we're out of, we're out of ways to convince people that Christ is coming back. So we're going to go this route. Yeah. We're going to, you know, we're going to. This start. guy charges people up the butt for this to teach them how to do this. Really? Yes. It says in a new DVD series called Studies in Our Hebrew Roots, Mark Blitz, pastor of El Sada, Ministries in Booney Lake, Washington, revisits what he and some others believe is a biblical biblical plan of God on display in physical heavens. Probe the heavens like you've never have before in this fascinating eight DVD set that also explores more of Christianity's Hebrew roots. Now. Can you say DVD sells? Yeah, money. This guy's a kook. I was I read a thing about him. Like he basically tries to train people how to do this. There's you can do all kinds of stuff with the star. It's basically like teaching people astronomy. It's funny. Astrology, I should say. Astrology. Right, right, right. Um Okay, let's see what else it says. In his videotape lectures, Blitz focuses on the stars he calls Actarius, which is mentioned in the Old Testament book of Job, or Job, however you want to pronounce it, which maketh Asterius, Orion, and Pelegis, and the chambers of the south, Job 9.9. In, let's see, if one were to consult a map of the night sky, Aquarius, or Actarius, He's talking about a Taurus now. Could be found in the left knee of the constellation called Bootos. And I'm not making that up. That's B-O hyphen O-T-E-S. Meaning the coming one. Depicted as a warrior coming to harvest according to the Blitz. Citing previous research by noted 19th century biblical scholar E.W. Bullinger who wrote The Witness of the Stars. Blitz explains the Hebrew word translated in Job comes from the same root word found in the book of Joel discussing the return of Jesus, but is rendered in Joel 13.11 as a symbol. Now, my question, why does people want to fucking end the world so quickly? I mean, really? I don't know. I, I, I've yet to figure that out. I mean, Why? Why? I mean, okay, sure. If you're homeless and you're broke and you, you know, you have nothing to live for, 
Okay, I kind of get that. But if you have, you know, a family, good job, life isn't so bad, why do you want to fucking die? I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up because, well, number one, it's it's so driven that way. And, you know, Christianity, you know, oh, you want to die? You want to go to heaven? Well... No, no. I mean, yeah, sure, you want to go to heaven, but you, no one really wants to die. And if you yeah. do want to die and go to heaven, there's something fucking wrong with you. I mean, really. Okay, we'll see what else we got. Um, the word assemble is the same word that trans that is translated as a tourist in job. He said, so it means the same thing to assemble to come. And if you'll notice, the word come is bow which is the name of the constellation Boats. So this constellation, then four periods, dot, 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 dot. He got a, uh, a sickle in one hand, a spear in the other. This is a sign of the Messiah who says, I'm coming. That's what the constellation is all about, the coming one. <sighs> He's reaching. He's really reaching. <clears throat> Um, in Revelation, it talks about he has a sickle in one hand. The book of Revelation states from the Apostle John's perspective, and I looked and behold the white cloud. Oh my God, I see white clouds all the time. Oh, the end. Oh, the end is nigh. <laughs> Sorry. The end is not. Nigh. And upon the clouds sit, oh, well, see, well, unless you can't, Planes. I see planes that kind of look like on clouds. Uh, upon a cloud, one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown in his name, or in his hand a sharp sickle. And he that sat on the cloud trust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth so reap, blah, blah, blah. I'm losing interest. Just probably because I've read that book so many times. So, interestingly, on March 19, 2008, a powerful gamma ray. Oh, now we're talking gamma rays. We're talking Ooh. incredible Hulk. Yeah. We're all going to Hulk out. Um, powerful gamma ray burst detected by NASA Swift satellite in the Bow Oats constellation shattered the record for the most distant object that could have seen by the naked eye. It was a whopper. A swift principal investigator, Neil, whatever the fuck his name is, of Goddard Space Flight Center. It blows away every gamma ray burst ever seen so far. NASA said after Afterglow was 2.5 million times more luminescent than the most luminous supernovas ever record, recorded, making it the most... Bright object ever observed by the human eye in the universe. Okay. So we've got now. I don't even. What, what does that it? have to do with? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's throwing that in there because it's an official quote from NASA. Saying, well, what does that have to do with anything? But, well, I, I, it's him using NASA quote to make his, his story seem more credible. Yes. Yes. And um 
yeah, so 2014, there's there's more. Let's see. Uh blah blah blah. Uh I'm I'm when I first read the topic, it was a lot more interesting. <laughs> um something about the lunar eclipse in 2014 and 15. Today's Gregorian during the Passover. And Lindsay Lohan. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. And it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Um, but anyway, my, my whole thing was, is just, I don't understand people's mentalities behind the, the purpose of wanting to, I mean, sure, everybody wants to believe that their, their religion or their spiritual beliefs are, are correct. But come on. You know, don't fucking grab. Just get what, what you have. Yeah. Speaking of grabbing, I, I hear that uh, Kanye West did some grabbing of his own this week. Um, you want to tell me about it? Just give me a little insight because you're the one that sent me the, the link. Well, I don't. I was just running across some stuff on Facebook, and I just I, I ran across something that kind of caught my eye, and it, it was something about Kanye West, and I scrolled up. And normally I wouldn't, but it. What caught my eye is he was wearing a jacket with the Confederate flag on it. And the title of the article was Kanye West adopts Confederate flag as his own, um, emblem or something like that. And I read the article and it basically goes in depth of, I guess his new, um, his new album that's going to come out or something. Uh huh. He's going to ret the Confederate flag, basically claiming it as his own. And he produced shirts and like purses and different accessories with the Confederate flag on it. It says, you ain't coming down or something like that that's, on it. That's too much. So do, he doesn't understand, I think, what the Confederate flag means. I don't think he does either. Like I said, it's to me, it's absurd. Well, you know, it's, he's probably trying to like, well, you know, they, they used this to be against us. So now we're going to use it for ourselves. We're going to yeah. take it back. Take him back to South. Right. Well, it wasn't theirs in the first place. I to know take that. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kanye West is an idiot. <laughs> he needs his daughter North, okay? She's uh, fucking air, she's an airline. I, I was going to say, did, have you listened to that episode of What We Think? I think I, I literally did a 30 minute rant on the Cardassian and, and um, Kanye, Kanye naming their kid Northwest. He's an idiot. Anything he, he does an doesn't idiot. surprise me. Yeah, that's why I was just like, wow. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I was listening to the Kevin and Bean show. And it's a, it's a radio station, but I, I listen to it once in a while on the internet, you know, because you listen to it streaming. Mm-hmm. And he walked in, uh, Kanye West walked in right in the middle of the, they were doing something. I don't remember exactly what they were doing. It is, he just walked in, like, you know. And he's talking and he's promoting his, his new album and shit. And before he left, he, he goes, I want to apologize to all yous out there, all you men out there, because, uh, you know, uh, I, I set the bar so high for my proposal and, and, and no one in the world can do a better proposal because I'm a genius. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, wow. Now, Anybody with his money could make that proposal. Yeah. For what it was, it was really fucking cheap. You know, for as much money as he has, he, yeah. he rented out a baseball field, came out there and, and had like champagne and, and then fireworks and then 
proposed to her. Ooh. <clears throat> not even creative, though. Well, the funny thing is, is he stole that from a movie. I've seen at least five or six movies that, that have something like that yeah. on it. Yeah. Yep. But first he, thing that popped into my mind was anger management. Yes. But he's a he's a creative genius. No, he's not. He's and, and he kind of he he reminds me. He talks. He kind of reminds me of William Shatner. You know, <laughs> because he has that. You know, and uh, my my new CD. You know, it just that that pausing that Shatner does. Yeah. He kind of does the same thing, and then uh, a few weeks before he was talking about how great of a person he was, and and that um, he was so wise, and he's always known what to do with his money because when his first check as a telemarketer, uh, before he became rich and famous, he was a telemarketer, uh-huh. and his very first check, instead of paying his bills and buying groceries. He, because he he was a very he's a genius, and he knows everything. He bought himself a pair of Gucci slippers, with his first telemarketing check. And for some reason, that makes him a genius instead of paying his fucking bills. What the hell? <laughs> he he's like, and all those drugs got to him. That or somebody sitting there been for too many years. Somebody's been sitting there and saying, "You're wonderful. Yeah, you're so, you're greater than everybody else. You're just wonderful." Building him up. Yes. To, for no reason, because he sucks. I hate him. And now he believes it. Yeah. Wasn't he the same douchebag that like? And and I'm not a big fan of um, Taylor Swift. Yeah. But, yes, it was the same fucking. Pre- they did it on was it the VMAs. Yeah. He uh he walked up during uh Taylor Swift's. Award ceremony. Mm-hmm. He cut her off what she was about to say. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I just have to say that who was it? Rihanna. Beyonce. Beyonce had uh one of the best music videos out there. And Taylor Swift just got the award for best music video. Right. Taylor Swift won all this. She won a lot. Best uh-huh. album and all this. And then Beyonce was just like, her eyes got so big. She was like, "Oh my god! Like, what am I gonna do? I'm never gonna live this down. They're gonna think this was my idea. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So she had to make a public apology." And he was forced to make a public apology. He it was like a half ass apology. Mind you, he went into the VMAs drinking whiskey. Nice. Yeah, you can like if you go on the internet and you literally look it up, uh-huh. there's pictures of him carrying a glass thing of whiskey. Just down in that shit. Yep. Oh, that that is definitely good father making material right there, folks. Him in Northwest. Oh yeah. You know, uh, and I, I said this. I don't know if I said this on air before or what, but in 20 years, if we're still doing podcasts in 20 years, we, I guarantee you in 20 years, there is going to be called a porn and it's going to be with Northwest and it's going to call, it's going to be Northwest goes south. It's going to be the porn. <laughs> That's funny. So, I, and you know what I think? I'm like, what, what was he thinking when? He decided to go with Northwest. Is why would you? You could have just named your daughter Washington. Well, for one, he named her a fucking direction, right? <laughs> <laughs> he must have got on the compass and was like, "Here we go, Northwest." <laughs> you, know, you know the reason why? Oh, you know why he went with North, right? No, because North is the highest point. Wow. North is a direction, not a fucking point. See, you know, just like he's Jesus, and he's got help us, and he's rich. I don't know how he got rich either. Like, who, who knows him? 
What are his connections? I know. Cause, because he bought himself some Gucci. Some Gucci slippers with a fucking check for telemarketing. Yeah. And how? Because, I mean, if he called me, ha, Mr. Montoya, I have a wonderful product for you to d- click. You know, he wouldn't even like, finish. It would be like, uh, hi, I just want to tell you about this wonderful product. I'm Kanye West. How are you doing today? I'm a creative genius. <laughs> like, how does one even get to a point where they they set themselves on such a high pedestal that they think they're basically... He basically proclaims himself to be a, a god among people. Yeah, that was another thing. Yeah. That, and I guess I can tie this into the last uh, article we were reading. He he brings out on his show... he. he uh, he brings out different people from the past mm. and he brings out Jesus on stage. And he's like, yo, is that Jesus? And the guy playing Jesus is like, yes, bro, or some shit like that. Wow. And, uh, it, from what I understand, I've never seen the show, but I even think he, he brings out Hitler, I think too. Jeez. And I'm like, and you really should study history a little bit more. Just yes. a little bit. <clears throat> I think that through everything Kanye West has been through and how publicly humiliating like his actions have been, you would think he would learn by now. He's stupid. I'm going on record to say that He's not a creative genius. Now, I get the fact that people are proud of their creative endeavors. I mean, I'm cre- I'm proud of my creative endeavors. I've done a lot of shit. But in the 20 years, 20 plus years that I've been doing writing, publishing, now I'm podcasting, I don't think I've ever called myself a creative genius. genius yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think I've ever actually called myself a genius. You know, that, that, goes beyond being self-confident into beyond being egotistical that almost goes into like narcissism yeah he's very narcissistic he's tony stark as a black man (laughs) worse oh my god yeah i don't think connie loves anyone but himself and maybe his baby i don't know i don't even know I, i couldn't even consider that possibility since we're talking and i don't know yeah, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, you know that the, uh, the Cardassians are technically not the Cardassians, they're the Jenners because, um, Chris Cardassian, who to me looks like a dude, you know, transvestite, and, um, Chris, not Chris is the wife, and what's the husband's name? Bruce. Bruce, who looks like a lesbian. You know, <laughs> he has that, he has the lesbian. He has a chick's body with a, a lesbian do hairdo. Yeah, you know. So they're married. Well, they're getting a divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and this was actually in the news because she was out schmoozing with some other guy mm. at a party while he was getting treatment for his cancer. Wow. So he's he's going to. Divorce her. But here's the thing that makes me just like, ooh, squeal like a little bitch. They got married when 
she was poor. She didn't have shit when they got married. Yeah. So guess what? There's no prenuptial agreement. That means Kris Jenner is getting 50% of the Kardashian fortune. And that makes me happy. Even though he looks like a little lesbian bitch. You mean Bruce Jenner? Yes. You said Kris Jenner. Oh, whatever. They're, they're, they're all just, just weird looking. But yeah, so the dude, the former Olympian, he's gonna get half, gonna get half of that money. And I, again, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't care for the Jenners. I don't care for the Cardassians. I don't care for any of them. I don't, and, and I'm not gonna turn this into a rant, but I'm gonna try not to turn this into a rant. But again, and I, I don't know where we've talked about, I do so many podcasts that it's hard for, for me to remember where I say shit. But, okay, other than having a videotape get leaked out to the public online with, uh, Kim Kardashian getting done up in the butt by a rapper, what has she done? Nothing. I mean, and that, that's, that's claim to fame. It's just, Getting. Her daddy was famous. That's how a lot of these so-called celebrities get famous. Explain. It's, it's their uh, parents. It's that, and it's publicity gone wrong. Well, see, and that's yeah, because um, Farrah Abraham. Do you know who she is? Uh-uh. Team mom. Oh yeah. She's the one that was. Uh, Got pregnant by this kid, and I guess he died before the baby oh, yeah, was born. Yeah. Well, she's just a full-on slut now. She is a full-on slut. She make she just came out this year with uh, her own leaked video of her getting it in the butt, and it, in fact, it's called Team Team Backdoor Mom. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty much her having butt sex with some porn star. And then later this year, she came out and they did a press release while they were molding, they were putting a cast mold over her vagina and her butthole because they were going to make sex toys out of it. Oh, my gosh. And then this is one of my favorite ones. She was on a talk show, and they were talking about, um, you know, different things to her. And one of the, the members in the audience said, well, do you consider yourself a feminist? And she's like, no, I, I'm not a lesbian. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and they literally, you can find this online, folks. You can put uh, Farrah Abraham lesbian feminist on YouTube, and you can see the whole thing. They're like, no, a feminist, a feminist. And she, and I think in the end, she's like, yeah, I think I look pretty or some shit like that. She is fucking stupid. And that's why she's on Teen Mom. And now she's actually being investigated because she held down her four-year-old and waxed her eyebrows. Um. And she went on another show and she was justifying it. You know, she's like, well, I'm just trying to, to show her the inner beauty. And, and the, the audience were like, 
you're showing her a four-year-old. You you have to be beautiful to wax your eyebrows and put on makeup. You know, on a four-year-old. Mm. And she goes, and somebody said something about waxing her eyebrows, and she goes, "Well, but she was asleep." So this bitch literally put, even worse. put hot wax on an unsuspecting four-year-old baby, and went rip. Oh my God! That actually broke my heart when I heard that. For the kid, yeah. Oh, she better make a lot Traumatizing. of traumatizing. I was gonna say she be- better make a lot of money with the the porn toys and the ass fucking because she's gonna have a big therapist bill for her kid to pay for. Yeah, that's I don't know, folks. Unfortunately, that's the society we live in today, and it's nothing to be proud of whatsoever. Speaking of, you know, ass-fucking, in New Mexico, a man sues over repeated anal probes by police. And this actually comes from Rudders, so it's it's a, a viable source. You know who, what Rudders is, right? Yeah. Both of you guys? Okay. Um, let's see. Let me scroll down. I, I just kind of led with the, the title. I went right into it, no pun intended. Um. So it's a New Mexico man has filed a lawsuit claiming police subjected him to repeated anal probes and enemas after a routine traffic stop because they suspected he was hiding drugs. David Edick, 54, claimed violation of his civil rights in a lawsuit which was filed in the U.S. District Court of New Mexico in August but not made public until this week. His lawyer said on Wednesday. Now, I would not make that shit public. Right? You want anybody to know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I mean, really. I mean, fine. Okay, he's probably going to win a gazillion dollars, but you know, as soon as they show his face on TV, he's not going to be able to walk around anywhere without, like, <laughs> Yeah. He he got it in the ass by the police, you know? Ah, oh, people. What's wrong with you? Move to a different state. <laughs> yeah, really. It'll fall. Comes to California, like, ooh, that's the guy that got done in the butt with the police. Oh, my God. Let's get his autograph. He's going to be like Stan Smith on the episode of, fam- uh, a fam- of uh, American Dad. American Dad, yeah. Where he pooped in the pool, and every time he moves to a different state, they knew about it because it was on YouTube, and it was viral. Oh, shit. It's going to be that guy. Exactly. Uh, let's see. We got a quote. It says, "This suit is about stopping officers and doc and doctors from subjecting people in their custody and control to unlawful, sadistic medical procedures that violate the most intimate parts of the human body." Attorney Sharon Kennedy said. Now, where do I start? He has a chick lawyer. And he's saying he's got ass raped by doctors and police. Please. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, okay, there's a problem. I've worked in the medical field for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've given enemas. I've given real enemas. And it's a tube that's about a quarter of an inch long, or a quarter of an inch in diameter. Very, very tiny. And it's very long, and it's hooked to a bucket. And you run it up into the rectum until you hit into the colon. And 
you Put run water warm in, right? water in. Yeah. Right. Here's the problem, folks. It's so small, most people don't even realize it's in. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've been in the medical field. I'm talking from medical experience. Well, he was probed also, wasn't he? Like, they were feeling for drugs, basically. Right, right. But I'm just saying, but, yeah. you know, with the, the whole thing of enema, um, you know, I, I've told people, okay, we're going to open a gauge that lets the water go down the tube. And many times they're like, oh, okay, it's already in. You know, like they didn't realize it was even in. Yeah. Because it's so fucking small. So there you go for trying to turn that into a sex act because it, it just doesn't work. And again, a dude getting a, a, a woman attorney i don't know something just doesn't seem right with me on this one maybe she's putting it in the butt with him <laughs> maybe <laughs> no it was them legal action stems from itic's treatment by police after he was pulled over in january for failing to come to a complete stop while exiting a walmart parking lot in deeming new mexico okay well that's his problem right there he was he was shopping at walmart so the root of all evil is Walmart. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there was an episode of South Park about that actually. I know I've seen it. <laughs> oh yeah, where they <laughs> take over everything. Yeah. Uh let's see. Da-da-da-dum. I'm trying to find here. I I actually let's see. There it is. Officer suspected that he was hiding drugs in his anus based on the way he was standing and the fact that a police dog alerted to the driver's seat and obtained a search warrant to include but not limited to the plaintiff's anal cavity, according to the lawsuit. After a medical facility is deeming refused to carry out the procedure, Edict was taken to Gila Medical Center in Silver City, the lawsuit says, where he was forced to undergo eight searches, including digital penetrations of his anus, three enemas, two x-rays, and a colonoscopy. Wouldn't you think what they the would fuck have found they're looking for a handgun up there or what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they must have found out he had good insurance, so they're like, let's charge it, let's charge it. Or something, like, why would they have to do all that for a little bit of drugs? Well, to be honest with you, they could have done it with an x-ray. They could have found it with an x-ray. Why two x-rays? You got me. Why a colonoscopy? Yeah. That's where they go up the... T- He's you know, going to get tons of money for Oh, those. yes. Yes. Ultimately, no drugs were found according to the compl- uh, uh, according to the complaint, which says that the Gila National Medical Center billed edict for the services it was performed. See, I told you he had good insurance. I know insurance too well. Um, representatives of the Deeming Police Department and the Gila Regional Medical Center could not be reached for comment on Wednesday. Yeah, there, there's somebody's, yeah. He's, oh, fuck it, man. I mean, if, at first I was reading this, I thought, you know, he's walking out of Walmart and they like start cavity surgeon him right there yeah. you know get against the wall 
I want to know why they had reason to suspect Because they said a dog smelt it. Why would they even even have reason to suspect he had drugs at all? Well, okay, they made him get out of the car probably to do a sobriety check. Uh. When they because he he failed to stop at a stop sign pulling out of Walmart, so they pa- probably pulled him over. He probably got out of the car and they said he looked, you know, the way he was walking. Maybe he just had to pinch a deuce. I mean, really, probably, Maybe. you know. And and then the the, the made him wait there. Got the dog. Dog. He's probably running to get home because he had a poop. Probably. <laughs> I don't care about the, the sign. Just go. Just go. And so. Yeah, I'm, but yeah, that's overkill. Beyond overkill, more like over anus. <laughs> uh, Dimming Police Chief Brandon Galette told local KOB TV, "We follow the law in every aspect, and we follow policy and protocols that have been put into place." What the fuck kind of protocol asks for two? <laughs> X-rays. How many colonoscopies? One colonoscopy. One colonoscopy. Multiple enemas. Yeah. Why does protocol ask for that? It doesn't. They just wanted to charge him money. Oh, man. It was... It's almost inhumane if you think about it. It's like torture. Well, at least nobody had their... uh, Their iPhones out, you know? True. No videos. Yeah. (laughs) Because um, you 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 think, folks, that you're at a hospital that you know video won't pop up on YouTube of you, but that's not necessarily you know, especially with some of these backwater places, you know. Yeah. You go down to the south, you know. Bada bang 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 bang. Bada bang 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 bang. Well, see, this is even New Mexico. That, that's that's still as bad. Yeah, well, it's close to Texas, so that's yeah, you know, <laughs> close enough. Um, uh, let's see. Do I, I'm looking at something right now. Uh, that's kind of depressing. I don't want to talk about that. At first, I was going to, but no, nah, the kid, kid got ass raped. I didn't know it was a kid. Wow. Let me tell I'm reading it. Let's see. Man, kidnap, da-da-da. Bear with me, folks. I'm trying to find something good here. Let's see. Oh, shit. Here's This isn't funny, but this caught my attention. And this is for Vice.com. Uh, let's see. Okay, the headline of this article says, Ghost Rapes of Bolivia. What? Yes. I guess the segment is all about raping? No, because that would be depressing. (laughs) (laughs) For a while, the residents of Manitoba Colony thought that demons were raping the town women. Yes, yes, yes. See how that all fits in? See, that is clever right there. I brought in the the whole Jesus religious experience, the man getting butt raped, 
Kardashians and Abraham getting fucked in the ass. I'm just bringing it all together in one article right here. That's some <laughs> good production right there. Okay, so let's try this again. Uh, let's see. For a while, the residents of Manitoba Colony thought that demons were raping the town's women. There were no other explanation, no way of explaining how a woman could wake up with a blood and semen stain smeared across her sheets and no memory of the previous night. No way of explaining how another went to sleep clothed, only to wake up naked and covered in dirty fingerprints all over your body. No way to understand how another could dream of a man forcing himself onto her in a field and then wake up the next morning in with grass in her hair. Sarah Gutner, the the mystery was the rope. Mm, okay. She would sometimes wake up in her bed with a small piece of it tied tightly around her wrist or ankles. The skin beneath aching blue. Damn. Early this year, I visited Sarah in her, at her home, simply painted to look like brick. In Manitoba Colony, Bolivia, are simple. Oh, they're Amish. Wait, uh, to the Amish in the rejection of modern and technology, the Manitoba Colony, like all ultra conservative Mennonites uh, community, is a collective attempt to retreat as far as possible. Oh, you know what? This is starting to. It's gonna. Ah, oh, fuck! What was that M Night Shyamalan movie? The village. The village, yes, yes. Real life village. Uh, attempt to retreat as far as possible from the non-believing world. A slight breeze of soy came off the nearby fields as Sarah told me how. In addition to the eerie rope on the mornings after she'd been raped, she would also wake up stained with, with stained sheets, thunderous headaches, and paralyzing lethargy. Okay, jumping over to page two. Her two daughters, 17 and 18 year olds, squattered silently along the wall behind her and shot me furious blue eyed stares. The evil had penetrated the household, Sarah said. Five years ago, her daughters also began waking up with dirty sheets and complaints of pain down below. The family tried locking the doors some nights. Sarah did everything she could to keep herself awake. On occasions, a loyal Bavarian worker from the neighborhood of the city of Santa Cruz would stay up, stay the night to stand guard. But evidently, when their one-story house, set back and isolated from a dirt road, was not being watched, the rapes continued. The Manitobians aren't connected to the power grid, so at night the community is submerged in total darkness. It happened so many times I lost count, Sarah said in her native low German, the only language she speaks, like most women in the, con in the community. Now, before I read on, I want to show you Sarah and her two daughters. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, that's Sarah and her two daughters. Oh. <laughs> wow. 
Somebody desperate. Holy crap. <laughs> okay. Whew. That, that, yeah, that's scary. Even the daughters are like... Creepy looking. Yes. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Then let's jump down here. In the beginning, the family had no idea that they were the only ones, they weren't the only ones being attacked. And so they kept it to themselves. Sarah stated, uh, telling her sisters, when rumors spread, no one believed her. And Peter Fair, Sarah's neighbor at the time of the incident, we thought she was making it up to hide an affair. Who would want to fucking have an affair with her? Jesus I Christ. I don't know. The family pleaded for help, and the Council of Church Ministers, a group of men who governed the 2,500-member colony, were fruitless, even as the tell multiplied. Throughout the community, people were waking up in the same telltale morning signs, rape pajama, rip pajamas, blood, and semen on the bed, head-thumping stupor. Some women remembered brief moments of terror for an instant they would wake to a man or men on top of them but couldn't summon the strength to yell or fight back. Then fade to black. Some called it a wild female imagination. Others said it was the plague from God. <laughs> we only knew that some strange, something strange was happening in the night. Abraham Wall Earns, Manitoba County civic leader at the time, said, but we don't know who's doing it, so how could we stop it? No one knew what to do, and so no one did anything at all. After a while, Sarah just accepted those nights as horrific acts of life. On the following mornings, her family would rise, dis- rise despite the head pain, uh, strip bed, and get on with their day. That's kind of a horrible way to live. Yeah, really. Then on the night of June 2009, two men were caught trying to enter a neighbor's home. The two ratted out a few friends and falling like a house of cards, a group of nine Manitoba men ages 19 to 43 eventually confessed that they had been raping colony females since 2005 to incapacitate their victims and many possible witnesses. The men used a spray created by veterinarians from a neighbor, neighboring Manitoba community that had adapted from a chemical used for anesthesia and uh yeah for anesthesia according to their initial confession which they later recanted the rapist admit to sometimes in a group sometimes alone hiding outside bedroom windows at night spraying the substance through the screen to the drug enters the family and then crawling inside that's kind of horrible. Where's the husbands? That's what, I, yeah. But it wasn't until their trial, which took place almost two years later in 2011, that the full scope of the crimes came to light. Transcripts read like a horror movie script. Victims ranged in age of from 3 to 65. The youngest had broken a broken hymen. Um, 
sad. Uh, from finger penetration. The girls and the women were married, single, residents, visitors, mentally infirm. So those guys are just sickos, basically. Yes. Through it never discussed and was not part of the legal case, residents privately told me that men and boys were raped, too. Wow, they were sick. Yes. In 2011, the veterinarian who supplied the anesthetic spray was sentenced to 12 years in prison, and the rapists were each sentenced to 25 years, five years shy of the Bolivian maximum penalty. Official, officially, there was over 130 victims, and at least one person from more than half of Minnetoba County or colony households. But not all those raped were included in the legal case. And it believed the, the true number of victims was much, much higher. It's crazy. How'd they get by that so many years? It's crazy. No one ever suspected anything. Well, because they thought God was just letting it happen. So see how, again, I, I just tied that all into a nice little package. We started out. and, and <clears throat> So moral of the story, kids, is you can believe in God, but don't believe in God if you think that they're... God letting, let you get raped. <laughs> yeah. All right, kids. I think that's enough for this week. Um, well, not for this week, but for today. Come back tomorrow, and we're going to have a super podcast fest with everybody as we celebrate episode 52, and we're actually still going. We've, we've made it one year. So come back tomorrow, and we're going to have a good time, and we're going to figure out uh, a topic because this sometimes it's okay to go in blind in a podcast and see what happens but when you have what six or seven people yeah we're gonna have to definitely have you know some topic going on um real fast before i close up you were talking about ps4 being released on the 17th um how much are they four hundred dollars damn that's cheap. I was thinking about putting it on my credit card, but I don't think I have. Because I, my PlayStation, <laughs> yeah. I, I paid four hundred dollars for my PlayStation. Really? It's, yeah, it's she's got a five hundred gig. I have a five hundred gig though. Damn. Yep. Yeah, it'll never run out of space. <laughs> I, because I think at this point, Jaden wants a Wii U, and uh, well, I don't want you to dis- disown me, so I'm not going to buy the Xbox One. I would just like if you bought a PlayStation Three, even. Yeah, because <laughs> in that way you can get a mic, and we could uh, we could talk to the PlayStation. <laughs> Doing podcasting, you could. <laughs> yeah, you could. You have the audio from the TV going straight to the computer. It's a viability thing. Ever happened? We had to be far away from you. Right. Um. So come back tomorrow. And, and we're going to celebrate. So let's just run down who's all going to be there. Um, scheduled, definitely going to be here tomorrow is going to be myself, Aaron, Rebecca. Um, S. Sadie Burbank is going to be here. Terry D. Shear, my wife, Lacey Montoya, and Reaper Rick. And I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. I can't wait to see Reaper Rick and Terry Shear together in the same space at one time because I'm thinking the world just might implode. So <laughs> I, I'm really excited about that. Um, unscheduled guest appearances. Um, Alan Russo. The movie Madhouse Gang. 
um, Mike, Jason, and Rob. And I think we're supposed to, we're scheduled for a special guest of Larry Walton, who was doing Saturday segments for us in the beginning. And I think, I haven't confirmed this one, but I think, uh, singer, songwriter, director, Creeperson is, is even going to stop in. So we've got stuff lined up for tomorrow and I'm really excited. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Mary Nolich. And if you're not into like just weird ass, bizarre stories. Ass raping stories. Yes. Then you might be seeing red. See you tomorrow, folks, for episode 52. You know, as a, a standalone podcast, you know, just an episode, it was just a good episode altogether. Uh, you know, and... The story behind that is after we concluded, you know, talking about the raping ghost in, in Bolivia and the, the Amish and whatnot, you know, uh, Rebecca and Aaron, you know, they're pretty much, yeah, good show. I'll see you next week. And we we left. Well, actually, we didn't say you see you next week. We were planning on putting together, you know, the anniversary episode of Seeing Red. But after they left, I had some time alone. I was just sitting and, and thinking, and my imagination ran away on me. And I just started writing. And before I knew it, I had a movie script. And it turned into what is currently being called Incubus. And, and I'm actually still working on it right now. So I, I'm really happy that I pulled that one because episode 51 is a really special uh, episode for me, um, you know, as a podcaster, as a writer, as a creator. Okay, I'm done boring you guys. Uh, like I said, I'm alone here. I gotta talk to somebody. Jeez. Alright, let's go ahead and pull the second show of the evening. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be some crazy stuff if I actually pulled episode 52? I can't see which one I'm grabbing, by the way. It's just, you know, it's a bucket full of paper and it's got the the show title and the episode number, and it's folded in half, so I, I just can't see it. And I, I won't know what it is until I actually pick it up and um, look at it. And I'm pulling it up right now. Interesting. <clears throat> We're kind of going in the same format as we did last week, because last week we had Seeing Red and then Sheer Darkness. Well, this week again, we have Sheer Darkness number nine which was released on March 29th, 2013. And it says, Terry and myself, Dave, this week talk about action-adventure genre from movies to stories that they've written over the years. And it's the title is called Lights, Camera, Action. I, I, I kind of remember it. It was a very fun episode. We enjoyed it. And in fact, I think we came back for like the episode 10 and did it, you know, kind of followed up a little bit further. It was just a really fun episode. But, you know, to be honest with you, most episodes that I've done with Terry are really enjoyable. There's only been a, a couple episodes that I've done in general with all the shows. I was like, oh, that's not a good show. But for the most part, it's it's been really enjoyable with everybody that I podcast. Okay, kids, so go ahead, sit back and relax. And we're going to enjoy Sheer Darkness number nine. Lights, camera, action. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. 
and I bid ye welcome to Sheerer Darkness. I've been waiting for this for about a week now. Uh, just kind of curious to see what you've got on the slate for this week. Uh, had a great time, you know, talking about movies and such last episode. So what do you got for us this week? Well, I enjoyed uh, talking about horror and books and films last episode. I'd like to continue on in that vein. Different subject matter, however. But before we get into that, something else I just really feel I need to talk about. Okay, that sounds cool. So what is that? Well, this may sound really strange to some people. I know it seems strange to me to be wanting to talk about this, but I want to I wanna discuss South Park a little bit. Uh, okay, South Park, like animated series South Park with Cartman and all of them? Okay, that's cool. What do you want to talk about them? Well, I never, I never watched South Park when it first came out. Well, hell, it's been out for, I don't know how many goddamn years now, 8, 10, 12, something like that. I never watched it because I, I just thought it was a poorly animated cartoon. Oh, I thought it was for, like, basically kids, you know, because I never watched one. I didn't know. But just recently, just recently, in the last uh, couple of three months, I guess, I watched uh, a couple of shows, and then uh, I watched some more shows and some more shows and some more shows. And, well, you know, not all of them are really good. There are some that are just so fucking hilarious, I can't stand them. And I had no idea that those four little kids could get into such deep you know, topics from their show and show as much bizarre crap as they get away with. And, you know, Dave, you probably remember just, you know, a couple of three months ago, I, I was talking to you on the phone and I asked, you know, why are those little, or most of the people on South Park, why do they bounce up and down? They don't walk. You know, they bounce along. And you know, you explained that to me, right? Remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. In fact, um, the reason why they bounced up and down is because when it came out, and it's actually, it's, oh, uh, South Park has been around, I think, close to 20 years now, um, somewhere in that vicinity. And when they first started out, they actually used um, cutouts of the characters. There was no computers or anything like that. And um, so what they would do is they would make these cardboard backgrounds and then they'd cut out the the paper stock characters and then they'd put them into place and then they'd take a picture of it and then they'd move it again, take another picture of it, move it again, take it a picture. And as the the film is ran, you know, in sequence, it looks like they're bouncing up and down. And, um, 
now, you know, because they everything's done with computers, they wanted to stay true to what they started with. So they kept the, the bouncing motion, um, you know, because they could literally make them walk, but that's what they stuck with because it all started in the beginning with, uh, you know, cell-by-cell, frame-by-frame animation. Right. Okay, well, it didn't make any sense to me when I saw it, but after you told me the concept, uh, you know, I, I understand. And I remember the very first episode I watched all the way through was uh, the one where they had the ghost hunters come in. And that was pretty funny because I watch ghost hunters all the time. So that was pretty funny. But I noticed that when the ghost hunters ran out of the house, they actually ran. You know, you could see their legs moving. And I've also noticed periodically in a few other episodes that some people, usually they're new people or people that are just in it for one episode or something like that, they will move their legs when they walk, but all of the regular cast members are still bouncing along, which I still think is funny in hell. But anyway... Some of the episodes I've seen lately, and since I, you know, I can watch them all the way back to 2008 or 2007 or 6 or whenever they started, I have a lot of episodes to catch up on. Again, they're not all great, but some of them are really funny, and just the other night I saw they put, you know, people who know South Park will understand this, but they put all three of the, uh, Cthulhu episodes together. I did a 90-minute show, because I guess it was broken in three parts originally. <clears throat> but I couldn't believe these guys put up Cthulhu. And they even had people reading from the Necromonicon, you know, and uh, I thought that was just great. And they had the one little coon guy, well, was one of the, was one of the boys dressed like a raccoon. Don't get, don't think I'm being racist here, but it was called Coon and Friends. Because he's a raccoon. But anyway, <clears throat> one of the funniest parts of it was when, uh, the Thulu and the raccoon, uh, busted into a, uh, Justin Bieber concert. Thulu picked up Bieber in one of his hands and he squeezed him between his thumb and forefinger until Bieber's head exploded. <laughs> anyway, that just cracked me up. <clears throat> but uh, the one I saw tonight also really got to me because uh, it was the one where Britney Spears is the guest on the show. And Aside from the fact that uh, she is damaged seriously in a uh, in a botched suicide attempt at the end of the show, because <clears throat> you know Cartman and, and one of his little one of his little pals is trying to save Britney Spears, get her away from all the paparazzi and everything. 
and uh, they, they can't seem to get it away. And it turns out the whole town has been waiting for her to be a sacrifice for their corn harvest. And it just cracked me up that they would go so far. And, and of course, you know, in the end when she dies as a sacrifice, then they have this beautiful, huge corn harvest. So everyone is pleased. But it reminded me of the old Wicker Man, the Wicker Man, the original, not the one that uh, Nicholas Cage did. But the original was a horror story, but it was so, it was a British production, so it was very uh, subtle in all of its uh, horror aspects of it. Christopher Lee uh, also starred in that movie. It's a great classic kind of British horror. And uh, they needed a sacrifice for their fruit harvest, their apple harvest, because that was how the, this island where these people lived, that's how they basically uh, survived by selling their apples all around the world. And uh, it was just such a weird, terrifying movie. And anyway, thing on South Park with uh, Britney Spears sacrifice for the corn just cracked me up. I mean, how... Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so South Park is uh, a show that is hard to watch sometimes and sometimes is, you know, they don't always score a 10 with their with their stories, but uh, a, good, a good number of them are really funny and worth watching, and I just can't believe that it took me, you know, 10 years to latch on to that show. I think it's like that was just a crack up. And something else I can't figure out about that show is why Kenny dies all the time. I mean, he doesn't die every episode, but he dies a lot. And then he just comes back, you know, and no one even talks about it. Well, in the Cthulhu episode, he, Kenny, brought that up. But he doesn't explain it. He just, he knows that he dies over and over and over again. But no one else seems to notice that he's dead. Because he always comes back. He wakes up the next morning in his bed. And no one even knows that he has died. Which is kind of weird. I, I assume that eventually... If, some episode they're going to explain that but for the moment it's still a mystery I know you were saying that you had 10 years to catch up on but uh, it's actually more like 15 um, I remember I was in Arkansas it was 
few months after my 20th birthday, so that had to have been 1997 when the, the very first uh, South Park aired. It was the one about the aliens anal probing everybody, and uh, every time they farted, you know, the anal probe would come out and shoot fire and, and shit like that. It was pretty funny. Um, I remember when I first saw it, I didn't really think much of it. I didn't think it was going to be as popular as it was. And um, just recently, speaking of South Park, I, I was just thumbing online and, and stumbled through South Park. I actually got to see the original South Park, uh, which was created in 1992. It was just an animated short called The Spirit of Christmas. And it's it's interesting because the characters are really rough, roughly put together. And I know that sounds pretty weird considering that, you know, even though today it's computer animated, it still looks like it's roughly put together. But this is nothing. I mean... Literally, you you could go on like YouTube and watch it. It's called the Spirit of Christmas, and uh, it, it's it's really rough. Um, the interesting thing that I, I noticed on that cartoon though was that Kenny, who dies, was not Kenny. Um, it was actually Cartman. You know the 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 character that looks like Cartman now. Um, they had originally plotted as Kenny. And then though they had a, a character name, um, well, no, they didn't say what his name was, but anyway, they had a character that looked like Kenny, you know, with the, the, the hood pulled over his head. Um, he died too, but they never actually said who he was or what his name was. Um, so yeah, you can actually jump on YouTube and, and check out that. And, um, so you, you do, you have a lot of stuff to kind of look over. Um, don't forget that they came out with a movie. Um, I think it was in the 90s, if I remember right. And um, it was called South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. And that's like a, a two-hour movie. So you have a lot of catching up to do. Um, you know, because there's like, what is there? There's 237 episodes of South Park, and, um, you know, I know that you can probably watch a lot of them on YouTube and Netflix, of course, and Hulu. You know, so there's a lot of avenues to catch up on with that. They're fun. You know, some are really good, some are really funny, some are really dark, and then some are just really stupid. Um, I think the one that you might actually get a kick out of is they, they did an interpretation of the human centipede. Um, I, and I know how much you, you like that movie. Uh, you know, I know I'm joking, but, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to enjoy South Park and, you know, there's lots of hours to watch. Well, yeah, I gotta say South Park is a, is a, it's an interesting program. It's got some really funny stuff in it, but it, again, it's not for everyone. Okay. Anyway, so what I wanted to uh, really get into this episode was more along the lines of uh, talking about movies again. Uh, this time, I, I kind of wanted to explore uh, action-adventure movies. Okay, that's cool. You know me, I like action-adventure movies just as much as I like horror films. Um, 
But the funny thing is, I I, I, I tried to you know do some research on the action adventure genre, and <clears throat> apparently there isn't one. What do you mean by there isn't one? There, there's no action adventure genre. I mean they have action movies and they have adventure movies but it gets kind of complicated I mean adventure movies were you know they go clear back to the 1920s 1920s and 30s and uh, they had their um, heyday I guess in the the, the 40s uh, 30s and 40s but Action, action movies are usually associated with another genre, like uh, action crime drama or uh, action westerns, you know, action war, you know, war movies are action movies generally. But adventure movies by themselves uh, are usually about a quest or someone seeking redemption or someone who is, well, basically looking for something. Uh, But there are all kinds of sub-genres in that. You know, you have fantasy adventure and you have science fiction adventure and uh, you know, it just goes on and on. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean are uh, action adventure movies, but they're uh, not called necessarily action adventure. So, what we have to do is uh, break that down a little bit because they have uh, action, crime, drama, and adventure, action, fantasy, adventure kind of stuff. It gets kind of uh, it's kind of weird, really, but. Uh, well, we're going to delve into that and figure out just, just what's going on, okay? Okay, that's cool. What kind of knowledge do you have to give us? Because honestly, I thought it was just, you know, action-adventure genre. Okay, well, I think I should clarify something I said just a minute ago about there not being an action-adventure genre for movies. I'm sure some of our listeners out there were going, oh, that's bullshit. You know, what about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or uh, Indiana Jones? Um, Lord of the Rings, for Christ's sake. Well, that's what I thought, too. I thought, well, there must be an action and adventure uh, genre because look at all of the action adventure movies there are. You know, even like Batman and uh, you know, stuff like that action and adventure, but according to Wikipedia, um, in action movies, one or more heroes are thrust into a series of challenges 
that require physical feats of, you know, skill and strength and shit. Extended and or frequent fights and frenetic chases. Also, action films usually have an evil villain and lots of violence. Well, yeah, that's take that for granted. On the other hand, adventure films, unlike action films, often use their action scenes to display and explore exotic locations. You know, Indiana Jones, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Sahara, if you remember that movie, that was a great movie. Adventure film subgenres include swashbuckler or pirate films, disaster films, and historical dramas, similar to the epic film genre. They're usually set in a period background combined with other genres, which include science fiction, fantasy, and war films. So, according to Wikipedia, anyway, um, things like well, anything that you would consider an action-adventure film is probably one or the other. But, you know, the hell of what Wikipedia says, right? We can uh, decide what our own films are. Um, you know, some of the early action films, action crime films, anyway, uh, 1968, Bullet, Steve McQueen, Jacqueline Bissett, Robert Vaughn, Robert Duvall, won one Oscar, and Steve McQueen is a San Francisco cop, and that movie is famous for its chase scene up and down the hills of San Francisco. So, that would definitely be, um, an action film with frenetic chases. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, 1971 brought us two really classic uh, uh, action crime films. The French Connection with Gene Hackman and Roy Schneider. Um, that won five Oscars. And it also has a really classic chase scene uh, anyway, and of course, and also in 1971, there was Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood. Um, that had a chase scene as well. It wasn't quite as good as the other ones, but regardless, it was an action crime feature. And I don't. I I think the uh, the action adventure genre, which isn't really a genre apparently, probably got started in the 70s with, you know, things like uh, Star Wars and Alien in the uh, you know, late 70s when they really started to uh, build on the uh, science fiction fantasy kind of uh, movie with a lot of uh, action and uh, 
Anyway. So, uh, I don't know, Dave, you got anything you want to add to that? A little tidbit of, of nonsense. And, uh, I remember that chase scene through San Francisco. Um, what was it? The Camaro or something. It was, I remember, but they were just hauling ass, you know, down the streets of San Francisco. And because of the rolling hills there, you know, the car was like literally jumping gaps of, of where, you know, uh, the road would go down and then they just shoot up. It was almost like launching up and down. It was, a, yeah, I remember that was a great scene. Um, it's funny you bring up Dirty Harry because when you think crime action drama, you know, action adventure drama, um, I, to me, I think Dirty Harry is, is one of the, the movies that come forefront to my mind. But for me, um, my dad was a very big Chuck Norris fan. And, um, I remember seeing all of, you know, his, his movies, Chuck Norris's movies, you know, back in the, the early 80s. The first one that comes to mind, and I know, you know, that one was definitely not in the 80s, was, of course, Delta Force. And then, um, you know, I, I remember seeing the one where he fought Bruce Lee, um, oh, what was that one called? Way of the Dragon, I believe. Um, you know, that was another, 1960s movie and then like in the 80s the octagon and eye for an eye that was good silent rage um oh of course lone wolf mcqueen you know there there's lots of you know great movies from chuck norris that i would say was action adventure um you know i i think that that's the the for me, anyway, when I think act, action adventure, that's what I'm thinking as far as like movie wise. And since we're talking about action adventure films or stories, I thought I might uh, go into some of my stories that were technically. Uh, related in the action adventure genre of writing because I've always been interested in medieval history and especially the uh, royalty aspect of medieval history because those guys were just bloodthirsty cutthroats you know they killed off their own family members just to uh, ensure the fact that there were no uh, threats to their kingship or whatever <clears throat> and I uh, started writing this kind of story uh, quite a few years ago and uh, the initial story that dealt with this was uh, the Empire Chronicles and uh, as the title Chronicles implies, this was supposed to be a series of stories. And as is my uh, predictable, or my predictability, uh, the first story in the Empire Chronicles uh, ran 
some 8,000 words. And it is included in my book, The Dragon Hunters and Other Fantasy Tales, which, in case you were not aware, is available through Mythmark on the Jaisalon site. You know, all you have to do is order it. And that book contains 14 stories. Uh, about half of them are sword and sorcery, medieval uh, fantasy, and the other half are contemporary fantasy stories. Three of which were never published before this book. So anyway, you know, check it out. Anyway, The Empire Chronicles... Um, delved into some of the uh, backstabbing, intrigue, power-hungry situations. But it was written to be just the first of series. And uh, it still is the first in a series. It stands alone, but uh, there were supposed to be Oh, you know, further stories with the same characters. And while they're still running around inside my head, trying to get out, I have as yet not allowed them onto paper. And after the Empire Chronicles Story 1, I began working on Queen of the Westerlings, which has a number of fans out there chomping at the bit for more of that story, which is a novel, actually. I think I got through 16 chapters, maybe, before it uh, finally just shut down on me, but it's not dead. Um, The Queen still lives. And that story was born out of my curiosity about uh, the way royals uh, tried to get ahead. Um, I wondered... You know, I I mean, I've read so much English history about uh, the kings and queens and, you know, the families and everything. And I know that when a uh, a child is technically the king because his father and mother have died, that it's even worse because then people come, come out of the woodwork wanting to, you know, take the crown and kingdom away from this child because the child has, you know, well, a blood claim, yes, but they don't have the power to back up a, a coup or a revolution or somebody just coming in and killing them and taking the kingdom away. So, I've, I've read stories about young boy kings but I thought, what if it was a young girl who, through whatever misfortune, 
became queen through no choice of her own, but because she was a child, 12 years old, she was under enormous pressure to get the hell out of town or she would have been killed so someone else could take over the club king so we have we have 12 year old Isabel whose parents have uh, <clears throat> met untimely ends and she is now the sole bloodline ruler of the kingdom called the Westerlands and pretty much her, her only benefactor uh, at this point is Sir Humphrey a knight who served with her father and was basically her mentor as she grew up <clears throat> and Humphrey is aware that something evil is afoot and he spirits Isabel out of the castle one night and he and his squire and Isabel take off running with half the kingdom trying to hunt them down um, there are lots of other characters in the book uh, people come and people go people die um, this is uh, one story where, while I don't usually kill people in my stories, uh, this, this is a bloodbath when it comes to uh, people dying. Um, <clears throat> because Isabel has so many enemies that uh, they, you know, just have to keep killing people to get further away. Now, they, they do pick up a friend here and there to, uh, to help them out. And it's more than just um, Isabel running for her life. Um, there is a uh, um, a love connection going on. Um, between Isabel and, and some other people or another person um, and it has there's a lot more background to the story um, things are going on here and there that uh, uh, both help and hinder their, their escape plans um, originally Queen of the Westerlands was probably going to just be one novel well, by the time I was 12 or 13 or 14 chapters into it, I, I knew that it was not going to be finished in one book. So, at this point, even though I haven't worked on it for a while, we're looking at at least two volumes, if not, uh, not three. And, well, this fantasy story does not have dragons in it. It does have magic. There is magic involved. 
and uh, I believe I mentioned this uh, in one of my earlier podcasts when we were talking about world building and, and such, uh, while the uh, planet they're on, which they don't name, um, at one point later on, you discover that uh, two moons circle the planet. So you will have a fairly good idea that it's not Earth, or at least not any Earth we know about. But it does it does have strong magical undertone to it. So you get you get hints here and there about you know stuff that's going on, um, but you you never really, or at least not yet, you at least don't know what everything means when it's brought together. At any rate, um, Queen of the Westerlands was. A lot of fun to work with. I would love to get back to working on it again. Um, it's just a matter of of my brain turning a page and or skipping a page and going back because uh, while I was working on Queen of the West Runs and I was putting out you know a chapter every month there for a while and we were putting them up on uh, the world myth um, I was in a different state and I think I've talked about this before too but I have to reiterate that um, the past three years have been disastrous for me they've been uh, damaging to my physical body and my emotional state of mind. I know that's around the time that you moved up to Idaho and then I know you know obviously you had that rollover accident on the way up there and then it took time for you to recover so yeah I know you've you've been a lot or you've been through a lot in the last three years and and uh, you know I've said this and I'll go ahead and say it here on the podcast you should come home to California. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. What were you saying? I don't know how many of you out there have ever written a novel or tried to write a novel, but it's something that you really have to apply yourself to do. You know, you really have to apply yourself to work on it. Um, and if you are unable to do that, Oh shit, nothing happens. Um, so, I know that there are people out there who want me to finish the book. Fuck, I want to finish the book. Um, I just have to place myself back in the Westerlands and pick up where we left off. Humphrey and Bruce and Isabel and uh, Barker. Barker. Fuck, I can't even remember his first name. Even if he, I don't even know if he has one. 
can't remember now. But uh, and there's Moorcroft and uh, Calibex and others and others and others. Oh yeah, the new guy that just showed up too, who's who will play a pivotal role in the story later on. But at any rate, those characters are still still alive. They're still in my head along with a thousand others that uh, are clamoring to get out. I hear them pounding on the inside of my skull. Some of them are more demanding than others, but one of these days I'll have to unlock my brain and they'll flood out. One of these days... And I should also mention, for any who may be curious, that uh, the book, my book, The Dragon Hunters and other fantasy tales, they aren't all, you know, death and destruction and wanton magic thrusting and nonsense like that. About half of them are actually uh, humorous stories, you Some that I even forgot were in there. Uh, the Final Gambit, which is, well, hopefully humorous. And The Dragon Hunters is, uh, as well as Requiem for Turnip Hill. And uh, several of the stories are, are humorous, so do not despair. You need something to. Uh, cheer you up or, or chuckle before you go to sleep uh, check out the Dragon Hunters it's it's only $9.95 I think no wait $10.95 sorry $10.95 for the Dragon Hunters $9.95 for Dreams of Darkness plus shipping and handling let me jump in and say that I'm one of those people that are patiently waiting to, to see more of Queen of the Westerlands. Um, I remember I got to read the rough draft and it blew me away from there. And then when you came back with the final draft of, of chapter one, essentially, you know, I was hooked. And um, what you've made 16 or 17 chapters since then, and I've read them all. Um, in fact, I've read them numerous times. So, you know, if we could ever get to that point where we start making books again and, you know, you're feeling up to completing the story, you know, I, I'm right there. I, You know, as a fan, I've been a fan of your writing for almost 10 years now. So that is one of my favorite, you know, fantasy stories or rather, I guess, fantasy action adventure but um yeah definitely i i'd be excited to to read more of that story and uh, you know as far as your book dragon hunters and other fantasy tales you know people might be surprised because you show very different sides of you um you know like you had mentioned you know there's comedic stories in there there's, uh, of course, the traditional fantasy stories. There's 
lots of action, lots of gore. But, you know, there's there's other things in there, too, you know, as far as, like, deep, heartfelt dramas that you've put in there. Um, you know, so there's a lot more to you than just one genre, and you've proved that over the years. And, and I think putting all those stories into one book, you know, I think really defines you as a writer of multiple genres that can pretty much pull off anything. Another one of my uh, stories in the Dragon Hunters would be, uh, I guess, considered an adventure story. Uh, I wrote that about two and a half years ago, shortly after I arrived here. And it's about an older man who has a heart attack in the hospital emergency room and thinks he dies and has gone to heaven because he wakes up in a field of grass and is suddenly young again and physically fit, naked. So he thinks he's dead and is in heaven. And he starts to wander around and comes across strange animals. And uh, he eventually discovers that he's actually not dead, but is has been transported somehow to another place and it is here that he meets the writers of heaven which is what he calls them since he thinks he's in heaven but it's not heaven and how he discovers that fact and returns to where he came from is the story. So that's also in uh, the Dragon Hunters. That is one of the contemporary fantasy stories in the book. But writing an action-adventure tale is A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Dave, you have spent a lot of time working on your own uh, action-adventure story, The End. Yeah, I've been working with that story for the last eight years now. It's just one of those stories that, no pun intended, it's just not ready to end. Um, you know, it came out originally in February of 2005 in the world of myth and um, it was supposed to be like a, a three or four part little mini series and and uh, after I got to the, the conclusion of where I was going to end it um, you know my imagination was still still going strong and rampant and and uh, you know I ended up writing 33 chapters um, you know every month in the world of myth 
And then when I got to story three, because I broke them up into to three stories, um, no one's read the last story uh, other than myself. And and um, I also have brought back an incarnation of it. I've been doing a lot of rewrites. And for the last 15 weeks here on Jaisalmon, um, you know, I, I've put out the, the revised chapters of the first story of the end. So yeah, it's, it's, I definitely know, you know, what it's like to, to write a action adventure story. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of effort. Um, just because you have to keep the tempo going with those type of stories. And, um, you know, hopefully here soon I'll, I'll be able to announce some, some information about the end, but you know, Honestly, this this isn't about me, Tara. This is about you and, and your works. I haven't even read the last couple of chapters of that story, so I'm anxious for it to come out, too. So adventure stories usually have the uh, protagonists on some sort of quest. They're seeking something. Uh, Queen of the Westlands, at this point in the story... Isabel and Humphrey are looking for people to befriend them. They, they need an army to come back and uh, retrieve the kingdom for Isabel. Uh, they already know that an army has landed because that's the army that defeated her, her father, the king. And they know that there's magic involved because the king was defeated by an army who had magic as their ally. So they're seeking help from old friends, which they haven't reached yet. And will hopefully do so by the end of the book of the first book if I ever get around to finishing it uh, so there's action in adventure movies obviously Lord of the Rings lots of action there um, Pirates of the Caribbean lots of action Raiders of the Lost Ark lots of action um, Queen of the Westerlands, lots of action. The End, lots of action. As well as adventure. So by God, aren't those action adventure books and movies? You'd think so, but not according to everyone. Apparently. Well, don't forget that uh, on the Jezomod Jezomod, sorry, Jason site there are spaces for comments um, so if you have anything to say any comments any questions anything you'd like to hear about or have us talk about just stop by the site and click on the comments section and leave a message we appreciate any kind of input uh, I sincerely appreciate 
all of our listeners out there. Thank you so much. And I think that uh, we're about ready to close up shop here. So I will bid everyone adieu. And hope we see you next time. And Dave, you can close us out and we'll be good. Actually, we're not done. People are done. They're finished. We've been through this before. Good night, all. All right. Well, for Terry D. Shear, I am David K. Montoya, and I bid you all a good night. Yes, now I remember it. It was. That was just a very enjoyable episode. You know, there's, there's, it's interesting because, um, you know, as a creator, you really don't go out and talk about movies and books that you really enjoy. Um, you know, you just kind of keep that to yourself for some reason. I don't know why you don't really talk about it more. But it was just really fun and, and almost sense of liberation to, to sit and talk about, you know, I love movies. I absolutely love movies. I love books. And, you know, just to enjoy everything together in that podcast and, and to kind of get away from the darkness. And I know that was sheer darkness and that was kind of the theme or the running theme, as it were, you know, to the show was just to be kind of dark and gloomy. It was just kind of fun to get away from that and, and have a, a lighthearted conversation with Terry. And it was, it was just enjoyable all the way around. And, and like I said before, we even ran the, the show. It was just one of my favorite episodes to, to do as a podcaster. Okay, we're already at the conclusion, the final number three show that we're going to pull for the week. And I'm going to stir this up. And let's see. Wouldn't, and <clears throat> let's see. I was going to say, wouldn't that be weird if I pulled a movie madhouse? That would just be weird. Okay, let's see. We've got... News, Views, and Reviews, number 40. Ooh. Recorded November 6, 2013. This is called The Cow Eyes. Oh, yes, I remember The Cow Eyes very well. Reaper Rick comes to you this week with news about man boobs and the myth about cow eyes and hamburger meat. Then changes things up a bit as he reviews two films. The first, a classic historical porn with Malcolm McDowell, and John Ginger and Peter O'Toole in Caligula. Caligula. Afterwards, Rick reviews the second film, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. In his view section of the show, he updates us about his life. Okay, kids, let's go ahead and sit back as we enjoy News, Views, and Reviews in VR number 40. Welcome back, everyone. I am Weeper Rick, and this is, just a moment, let me check my notes here. Yes, this is News, Views, and Reviews with your host, Reaper Rick. That would be me. Tonight, ah, uh, tonight, well, I hope everyone had a really nice Halloween. Okay, the news lately has just been bad. You know, shootings, killings, bombings, more killings. Chaos everywhere. So we're going to stick with uh, some bland news, which is science. Science is always, always 
Science will always say this. Eventually, politicians are just going to have to give up, and they're going to have to turn to the scientific world to help save us, save the planet. Wait and see. Okay. Anyway, a uh, British family had to evacuate their house recently. Their London home, rather, when uh, a supposed patch of mold on a banana that was just purchased at a store there in town suddenly erupted and expelled hundreds of tiny baby spiders. <laughs> And they ran all over the table and all over the house. And uh, a local uh, bug spotter guy thought they might be a extremely venomous Brazilian wandering spider who apparently laid eggs on the bananas. And they traveled up. From Brazil to England, and then uh, hatched in this poor lady's kitchen. Anyway, they had to have the fumigated home. They had to have their home fumigated. Although they were really in no danger, because even if it had been a Brazilian wandering spider, the the babies, uh, their fangs were too small to actually break through the skin of a human and they never would have been able to survive the winter there in England anyway they're used to uh, tropical rainforests after all but the thing of it is they showed a picture of this banana <clears throat> and I mean first of all I wouldn't eat a banana if it had a great big old wedge of mold growing on it anyway. You know, you scrape the mold off at least before you start eating the banana. But this didn't look like mold. I mean, anybody can tell the difference between mold and some sort of spider egg sac, I would think. Anyway, apparently that's not uh, an isolated incident because spiders frequently seem to hitch rides on bananas, but uh, they usually are discovered long before they get to the grocery shelves, but not always. There's some interesting pictures online of rather large spiders inside bags of bananas, <clears throat> so they must have still been in the bananas when somebody picked up a bunch and stuck them in a bag, but anyway something to uh, be wary of the next time you're out purchasing foreign fruit. And I just I just bought a bunch of bananas today. Anyway, oh, here's, here's something uh, a little curious. Seems there is a uh, company of soldiers in Germany um, and 70% of this company 70% of the men have developed a left breast 
you know, two breasts, but a left breast. And apparently it's because the soldiers are forced to slam their rifles against their left chest over and over again during drills and maneuvers and whatever, parade, whatever. While they're drilling, I guess, they have to uh, slam the guns up against their chest so it makes a noise, I guess. They all make a uniform noise in unison or whatever. Anyway, so they do this over and over and over again, hundreds of times a week. And apparently it's a uh, defense mechanism of the breast to produce hormones and more fat when the breast is repeatedly hammered that way to protect it, okay? More fat, more protection. Unfortunately, these poor guys have only got one breast, but... I guess that, that must be the reason that all those uh, big wrestler guys on TV are always pounding on their chest, you know, with those pectorals growing. Oh, here's, here's an interesting little tidbit. Um, how to know if your house is haunted, okay? A lot of people are, uh, of course, interested in paranormal nowadays, and... Uh, <clears throat> we always wonder, wow, I wonder if my place is haunted. Well, here are some tips. Uh, most people have lived in their homes for a few years, okay? So, uh, you're used to the normal cracks and creaks and groans and stuff. Especially if you live in a wooden house back east. Uh, you know, wood expands and attracts when it's cold or hot. And the pipes are always making noise. I know that uh, when I lived in Idaho in that, in that little trailer, we had uh, aluminum ducts under the trailer that carried the heat, you know, from, from the uh, heater to the other rooms. And in the wintertime, they were, you know, real thin aluminum, and, and those things uh, get cold. So when the heat started getting pushed through them, the uh, the metal would kind of pop, and it would just go ding, 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 over and over and over again. The whole time the heat was on, and then for several minutes after the heat was off, until the metal got cold again. Well, anyway, so you usually know if you've been in any place for any length of time, the noises the house makes, whether it's settling or just popping from uh, hot water running through pipes or the wood expanding or whatever. But if you hear things that you're not familiar with, <clears throat> say like a barge bang that comes from an empty room, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when you go into the room, <clears throat> excuse me again, you go into the room and you can't find anything that would count for such a loud noise. Or if you hear footsteps in the hallway and you know there's nobody up in the house, those 
unusual noises, knocking on wood on the wall, tapping on the wall, um, things like that, could be an indicator that uh, you're not alone. Let's see what else we got. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, <clears throat> when uh, you start hearing doors open and close in other parts of the house, where there isn't, where nobody is at the moment, or especially if you're there by yourself and you hear a door open or close, especially slamming close. Um, going to the kitchen and you find maybe a cupboard is open or the refrigerator is open and you know you didn't need that open like that. Or, and this has happened to my son, so I know this does happen, you walk into the kitchen and all the cupboard doors are open. That could be an indicator that uh, you might have a playful kind of poltergeist type activity going on in the house. Another sign is if you um, are looking for something like your car keys, your wallet, your sunglasses, whatever, and you're sure you left them right here and now they're gone. So you're looking all over the house for them. You can't find them anywhere. You come back to the same spot you started at and there they are laying on the table or the counter or the bureau or whatever. If something disappears and then reappears, you know, that's also an indicator that perhaps you have something living in the house. It's playing games with you, mind games. And then if you hear people talking, whispering in your house, and you know there's no one else there, or everyone else is asleep, or whatever. You know, if you hear things that you know should not be there, you know, the sound of glasses clinking, utensils moving, voices, that's a good indicator that there may be something else living in your house. And of course, the very final surefire way of knowing whether your house is hot or not is if you see an apparition in your home. Either a uh, shadow type person, a shadow figure moving across the room or a uh, uh, full-blown apparition of a person standing there or sitting in your house somewhere and then they disappear, well, that's a pretty damn good indicator that you might have a haunted house or a haunting going on in your house. Just something to think about. And uh, Dave and I talked about hauntings and supernatural kind of stuff on the uh, Sheer Darkness Halloween special. If you missed that, you know, I'm sure you can go back and find it somewhere. So, jazamon.com. It's probably on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So, if you missed that, you know, go back and check that out. That was a fun episode. Okay. Let's <clears throat> see. So, oh, we have... Uh, oh, well. For one thing, India. The country of India. 
recently launched its first ever rocket to Mars. And yeah, well, anyway, they're, they're sending a probe to Mars. I'm not really sure if it's going to actually land on the planet or whether it's just going to, supposed to orbit and uh, send back some information. But uh, it's the first time uh, India has uh, ever attempted this. Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, ironic because last year China attempted to do the same thing, but their, their rocket didn't even make it into orbit. Um, the Indian ship is supposed to orbit the Earth six or seven times to build up speed, momentum, so it can slingshot out toward Mars, and that way they're going to uh, save money on fuel. And part of the whole process of India producing and launching a rocket uh, to go to Mars is to prove to the international space people, association or whatever, that they can do this for a lot less than it costs uh, the United States or Europe to uh, get together a rocket and send it off somewhere, which is interesting. If they can pull this off, they might be able to actually uh, get investments or something from other people. And since I am a uh, vegetarian, have been for a long time, I had no idea that this was even a potential story. But apparently, there is uh, or has been a urban legend kind of situation going on on the internet for a number of years that uh, speculated that McDonald's was using. Um, ground up cow eyeballs in their hamburger meat. And again, I had no idea this was even a potential story because it's uh, rather ridiculous. But I guess uh, some people were saying that uh, eyeballs, as well as other what they call byproducts, were being infused into the meat that McDonald's and other hamburger uh, food chains were using. <clears throat> but, and byproducts, by the way, consist of, you know, the heart, the lungs, the liver, the stomach, the intestines, the kidneys, you know, stuff that isn't actual muscle meat. <clears throat> so, Apparently this is this whole thing is a hoax though. They, they don't use the eyeballs because uh, there's already a market for eyeballs. Another apparently is that uh, medical institutions pay three and four bucks an eyeball for uh, cow and sheep eyes so they can be sent to schools to be dissected by medical students especially uh, veterinarians, I guess, or something, or even regular medical students, because the eyes are so similar to human eyes. I'm sure they use pig eyeballs, too. But anyway, so they don't use eyeballs in the hamburger. So that is a 
hoax and a falsehood. So, so much for meat. Um, I'm going to uh, switch up the format here just a bit and uh, do the movie movie reviews now, simply because uh, my view section is going to pertain to uh, kind of the movie. So here we go. Uh, a movie I recently watched uh, was a uh, <clears throat> movie called. Caligula. Uh, this was produced in 1979 originally, but uh, before I get into it, I'd like to see, you know, just a show of hands out there amongst the listeners. How many of you know who Caligula was? Just raise your hands. There must be eight or ten people out there that know. <clears throat> if you watch. Uh, any documentary channels, you know, history channels especially, you may have run across Caligula before. Uh, he was, in fact, a uh, Roman Caesar, an emperor, the emperor of Rome. Uh, from 37 AD to 41 AD. Uh, but the movie... And uh, again, this came out in 79, but it was re-released in 1999. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the original movie, well, and the re-release, of course, uh, had a nice cast to it. Um, Gore Vidal wrote the screenplay. And it was uh, co-directed by... Bob Cusciani, who you may know as the owner of Penthouse Magazine, and in fact, the uh, uh, the money, the backer, the money backer was uh, Penthouse Film Industry Industries International, Penthouse Films International. Okay, that was it. But the stars of this thing, Malcolm McDowell uh, from. Clockwork Orange, among other things. Um, John Gielgud, Peter O'Toole from Lawrence of Arabia and Lion in Winter. I mean, John Gielgud and Peter O'Toole are classic actors. Uh, there was also Helen Mirren was in it. And the love interest for Malcolm McDowell was uh, Teresa Ann Savoy. But uh, good, good actors. In fact, it, it cost $17.5 million just to make this movie. That's an estimated budget, but I'm sure a good portion of that went for the uh, actors. Uh, so anyway... Caligula uh, was a well he was one of a line of Caesars who was not in the best mental health let's say uh, although we don't have a really good accurate history of 
Caligula's reign, we know that <clears throat> he had a very troubled upbringing. Uh, his father, Germanicus, was a famous general, and uh, he took his son when he was uh, his son, which his, his real name was not Caligula, by the way. His real name was Cassius Germanicus, uh, some other stuff, Augustus, and some other names. But anyway, Cassius uh, Germanicus took his son Cassius when Cassius was only oh, three or four or five years old on campaign with him in Germany. And Cassius had his own little uh, uniform. Looked just like a Roman centurion, uh, right down to the little boots and shit. And so the, uh, the troops there in Germanicus's army uh, gave him the nickname uh, Caligula because that means little boots. <clears throat> so anyway, the name stuck, but he didn't like it. Anyhow, uh, Germanicus was uh, poisoned in uh, Lebanon. Syria, Syria, Lebanon, somewhere on campaign, and uh, Cassius went back to Rome to live with his mother. Now, at that time, Tiberius was the uh, emperor, and it is rumored that Tiberius had Germanicus killed because Germanicus was so popular with the people, and the people pretty much hated Tiberius's guts. So he was trying to uh, remove a possible successor, I guess, because uh, periodically uh, the uh, people would elect or demand a general, a Caesar. So Tiberius didn't want any of that. Anywho, um, Tiberius was also uh, afraid that um, Germanicus's other sons would be a threat, and he had a number of them either killed or exiled. He uh, exiled uh, Caligula's mother and sisters. Uh, banished them, exiled them to other countries and shit. But for some reason, he took a took a liking to Caligula and uh, became. I don't know whether he was actually adopted or not, but he he uh, Caligula called Tiberius grandfather, even though they weren't actually blood related or anything. But Tiberius was like in his seventies. And uh, he brought Caligula to his retreat on the island of Capri, which uh, Tiberius pretty much exiled himself to because he just couldn't deal with people and, and how much they hated him and everything. Well, in his old age, Tiberius was quite the lecher and a lot of orgies and... Uh, uh, torture and all kinds of other 
despicable shit went on at his palace there, which Caligula was exposed to for six years that he lived there. Well, then Tiberius finally died. Well, he had a real grandson, Germellus, uh, Germellius, something like that. And he he wanted Caligula and Germellus to uh, be co-rulers of Rome when he died. Um, of course, Germellus was just a kid still. So as soon as Tiberius died, uh, Caligula declared himself Caesar, Emperor of Rome. <coughs> Excuse me. And eventually had the kid, Germellicus, killed off. Uh, he also, <clears throat> excuse me, killed off anyone he thought uh, might be a contender for the uh, title of Caesar. Uh, he killed off anybody he didn't like, killed off anybody who displeased him. He just went on a rampage. Well, Initially, I guess, the first six or seven months of his reign were pretty coherent and nice. But then he had, he got real sick. He had a severe fever. And when he got better, uh, that was when he, well, he was called insane after that. And he just became very irrational, angry, and whatever, and he started killing people and having wild sex orgies, and uh, uh, was very uh, despicable, and eventually uh, was assassinated by members of the Senate and his enemies. Okay, back to the movie. <clears throat> the movie which is 153 minutes long, that means it's over two hours, by the way, um, is the re-release that, uh, that came out in 1999. The original movie was only an hour, an hour, 100, 102 minutes long. So that's just over 90 minutes, you know. But uh, what happened was that Guccione and whoever else was involved in it, I'm not real sure, turned it from a mild historical piece into a hardcore pornography epic. And uh, John Gielgud and Peter O'Toole both claimed they had no idea that all of the sex and violence was going to be added to the movie after their parts were shot because they actually... Either one of those two guys were in it for very long, and neither was Helen Mirren, for that matter. So all the, the really good actors had small parts. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, of course, was the star, and he was in it. But uh, at any rate, out of the 153 minutes, I would say maybe 15 to 18 minutes of it is actual historical drama. And the rest of it is just pathetic porn. <laughs> and uh, silly, idyllic 
romantic kind of crap that just doesn't uh, doesn't work any better than the porn does. But if you have the slightest interest in in history at all, uh, you should go to the History Channel and check out what they have on Caligula. If you just like to look at lots and lots of cocks and pussies and people being whipped and tortured and fucked, then you should check out Caligula on Netflix. Um, it would, uh, <sighs> yeah, it's really not worth watching at all unless you just get off on watching um, lots and lots of naked people and guys beating off and fucking women and whipping women and torture and, and grotesque people that he also had, you know, brought in uh, monstrosities from around the world, you know, people with two heads or Siamese twins with their heads attached. So you got this one chick there with two mouths and one eye. I'm pretty sure that was makeup though. But anyway, <clears throat> it was quite the circus. You know, you had midgets running around and, uh, Naked women, full frontal nudity on everybody, pussy shots and uh, anal shots, and just, you know, it's amazing. But uh, anyhow, if that's your cup of tea, then you should check it out. Um, Malcolm McDowell was very good. Well, actually, so was Peter O'Toole, it was amazing. He was crazier than shit in there. But anyway, you know, again, if you. Uh, have any kind of interest in that uh, sort of thing, then there you go. If not, don't worry about it. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10-50% to 50 off on selected items. 
Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra $10, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. And then, just for fun, I watched uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back again the other day because. That is just a funny fucking movie, you know, and if you're not up on the entire series of movies that Kevin Smith did, you know, from starting with Clerks and um, Chasing Amy and um, stuff like that, then uh, you might miss some of the, some of the inside jokes in this movie, but even without that, even if you don't know what's going on, it's still pretty funny. <clears throat> and it's got an interesting cast as well. You know, I mean, aside from Jay and Silent Bob, of course, you have the uh, the guys from Clerks, uh, all around it. Anderson have, you know, big roles in this. And then there's, there's uh, Mark Hamill and... Uh, Oh, fuck, I forgot her name again. Chick who played uh, his sister in the damn movie. I'll get it eventually. Okay. So it's uh, Mark Hamill and... Uh, yeah, her name. Fuck. All right. I had it a minute ago. It'll come back to me. Um, and, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, how Matt Damon has a small role in... Ben Affleck has a slightly larger role. Chris Rock and Jamie Kennedy and uh, Will Ferrell's in it. And then, you know, the all the hot chicks whose names I have I don't have written down, apparently. But uh, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny movie. You just have to, you have to like those guys. They're just crazy shits. But anyway, so at the very end, um, they bring back people from the other movies, and uh, they brought back the. You know, I don't have these names written down either. I did the first time I did this video. The little blonde chick, lesbian chick, and chasing Amy that I thought was so cute. You know, she she's in it with her, you know, lesbian lover. Um, but uh, 
chasing Amy was, uh, I was so disappointed in that because I thought Ben Affleck was such a dweeb for letting her get away, you know. I mean, he, he accepted the fact that she was lesbian, and that was cool. But as soon as he found out she also slept with other guys, you know, long time ago, well, that put him off, and he let her go. And I was complaining about that, and I found out that that was based on a Kevin Smith episode in his life, you know. And in fact, he even did that monologue. I think it was in that movie, actually. That's where the name Chasing Amy came from. But anyway, so it was it was about Kevin Smith. He went through that, basically, that kind of situation when he was younger and let somebody get away, I guess, and regretted it forever, as he should have. But anyhow, uh, back to uh, Jay and Silent Bob. <clears throat> So, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just a funny movie. Those guys are just ripping it up. And uh, it's just a funny movie. I have to say that over and over again. So, anyhow, if you're looking for just, you know, something to just sit back and crack up over, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a great, great movie. And I'll... I'll Shit, Princess Leia. Who the fuck was Princess Leia? Shit. Stupid fuck. It'll come to me eventually. You know, it's the, uh, it's the one thing that does bother me about getting older. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, losing your eyesight's not so bad. Losing your hearing's not so bad because you can augment those with glasses and hearing aids and whatnot, but... Losing bits and pieces of their memory, it just means that, well, you know, you can't do anything about that. You can relearn what you've forgotten, you know, but, uh, you know, you're going to forget it again anyway. And that's just a uh, bitter pill, as it were. Swallow because I don't know. It's just like uh, <clears throat> uh, it's just like you know, little little chunks of your life just keep disappearing. Go 
back to him and ask him a question about <clears throat> the job because I, I had forgotten you know, something. Uh, and it's just really, it's embarrassing for Christ's sake. Something I taught him, you know, I had forgotten and had to go back and ask him to explain it to me again. Jeez. Well, fuck. You know, it's just, uh, you don't really notice all the things that start to break down uh, at, the, at the time. But just all of a sudden you realize that you can't do things you used to do. <clears throat> Just, uh, ah, bad. Uh, just, uh, very weak, fatigued all the time. Uh, my, uh, legs don't work <clears throat> nearly as well. Nearly, nearly as well as I used to. I lose my balance a lot. Start using my damn cane again here pretty soon. My you know, knees keep going out on me. Most of this, most of this has happened just since the accident uh, two years ago. So it's not even all that recent. I mean, it is all that recent. Yeah, and this is not, by the way, the. Uh, Topic I was going to talk about in the new section tonight, but due to my memory lapse earlier, it just rather upset me. So I've gone off on a tangent here. Sorry, but you know, you don't know what I was going to talk about anyway. So, as far as you're concerned, this is what the show was going to be about, anyhow. So, I didn't even have to apologize for that. <clears throat> but, God damn it. Anyway, you know, I always say, even though your body starts to fall apart, you still got your mind. Well, when that starts to fall apart, you got nothing else going for you. Uh, it still works. Most part, I'm still working on my stories and shit. Um, just not as much as I should be. Too tired most of the time. Just too damn tired. Most days I hardly want to get out of bed and do anything. I had to go out today, do some shopping. Fucking exhausted. I think uh, part of the problem is that I'm just not doing anything. Just a few months ago when I was living with my mother, I had to keep, I was out walking every day, you know. That was mainly just to get the hell out of the apartment. <clears throat> but at least I was uh, getting out and moving around. Now that it's, the weather is cooling off again, I'm probably going to have to start walking around here 
pipes and shit. So there's lots of uh, interesting areas I'd like to visit. You know, I mean, within well, within driving distance at least. I mean, when I'm out on the road, I can see up in the hills here. There's all kinds of rock outcroppings and uh, hills and weird looking shit from far away. I have to go out here in my car and see if I can get around and uh, examine some of that stuff. I've been picking up little bits and pieces of rock here and there. Uh, I have to go out and try to see if I can't bring back some larger specimens for my collection because hell, you know, I collect shit. I've always collected rocks of some sort. I've always tried to take rocks with me from places I've lived. And every time I move, I fucking leave a lot of the rocks behind, which is almost irritating, but, you know, whatever. It's just shit. It's just stuff. So, as soon as I get the chance, I'm going to go out and get some more stuff around with me until I move again, I guess. I don't know what else is there to do. <laughs> but anyway, enough self-pity, I guess. So we have uh, upcoming, actually, this is November, so sometime later this month, Jason is going to uh, do a special cast podcast because it'll be the 52nd podcast to come out of Jason Mon. Um, that means we've been podcasting for a whole year now. Just about when the 52nd podcast comes out. So, anyway, Dave's going to get together all of the, the people um, who podcast out of Jason Monroe, except for the guys with Canada. I don't think they're going to make it. <clears throat> but we're going to have one big podcast with everybody uh, sitting in on it. So that'll be our, our birthday podcast. That should be interesting. And let's see. Oh, Guess we have some holidays coming up now. Again, we have uh, Thanksgiving, which is not a very real holiday as far as I'm concerned, and I think I'll probably talk about that next week. Thanksgiving, not a joke. Um, and then there's uh, Yule or Christmas for the Christians. Uh, the Christmas special will come in December. Talk about that. And then we have New Year's, although the, you know, pagan Wiccan New Year has already started. That, that came on November 1st. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about the January 1st New Year's as well. And then there's other holidays that are pointless and useless coming up after that, but, uh, you know, something to do, something to talk about. 
So, all right. Don't forget that I'm on Facebook, Uber Rick. The only one, Uber Rick. Um, you can also email me at uh, uberrick at jayzomon.com. That's J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N dot com. And, yeah, I guess that's it. So, uh, thanks for listening as always. Appreciate it very much. And I'll be back at you again next week. Okay. Until then, just be careful. Remember to get your snow tires out. And I'll see you later. Good night, everyone. Well, that's it for this week, kids. I guess I'm going to clear out of here, too. And... I will be back next week. Even though everybody else is going on a nice little vacation. Um, so just to let you know, for tomorrow, uh, there will be a What We Think with myself and S. Sadie Burbank. But then after that, there is no scene read on Monday. There will be a movie Madhouse on Tuesday. Wednesday will be no Tree Frog Expose Cafe or Who's the Boss. Thursday, there won't be no Don't Get Us Started. Friday, I will be back. I'll be back here by myself again in the studio, but I will give you a brand new episode of Flashback Fridays, and then, of course, Saturday, know what we think. And, and But we'll be back March 1st, if I remember correctly. Uh, just We're going to get some updates, and hopefully by the time we come back, we're just going to be sounding a lot better and looking a lot better and, and just a lot better podcast in general. All right, kids, that's it for this week. I am your host, David K. Montoya, and come back next week as I pull out the Wayback Machine one more time. Screw the DeLorean. We've got the Wayback Machine. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>